0: In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Luke's is the gospel that begins with the the angels saying, peace, peace, goodwill. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Jesus goes, peace? I come to bring division, and he's saying at, leethe, at least this: the peace that I offer, it's going to be on my terms, and there's a certain route to that peace that cannot be avoided, and it involves my baptism. Now. We usually think of baptism as involving water. But the metaphor of baptism is a being overwhelmed by some sort of catastrophe. And it usually in the Scripture, it's, it's water. It's the water that overwhelms the Egyptian armies that, that come after uh, the people of Israel. It's, it's the waters that, that flood the earth as Noah and family are saved. They're drowning psalms like Psalm 69. But the baptism can also be a baptism of, of fire, like Psalm eleven seven. Upon the wicked he shall rain coals of fire and burning sulfur. A scorching wind shall be the cup that they drink. And Malachi 3 says to people, well, you're looking forward with delight to the to the messenger of the, of the covenant, but really, who can endure the day of his coming? And who will be able to stand when he appears, for he is like a refiner's fire? He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver, and he will purify the descendants of Levi and refine them like gold and silver until they present offerings to the Lord in righteousness. So, water, baptismal water, can drown and it can renew. Baptizing fire can destroy and it can refine. And I think the picture, pardon me, but this is where my imagination goes. The picture that Jesus has in mind, and and in the text it's like, I'm I'm sore oppressed in my heart until this gets done. He knows that he's heading for a cruel cross. And the offer of peace awaits his arms outstretched in the agony, standing underneath the burning wrath that will fall upon him on the cross. And here's the way I think of this. I think of all the wrath of God that the whole human race deserves being being blown down but instead of engulfing the whole earth it is focused on it is focused on one person jesus christ representative sinner representative covenant breaker representative bearer of the curse. And what happens is that as the fire of God's wrath comes down on him, it sort of gets transmogrified in some way that, oh, I don't know, J.K. Rowling could only imagine. And instead of destroying the whole earth, goes out like an amazing forest fire that does benefit to a forest by burning down that which needs to be burned and creating a context for new life to emerge. Sherry and I went to Yellowstone just a few years after one of those horrible forest fires that we had seen in, that we had seen in the news. And what was there in the place now, years later, of the, 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 the charring and the destruction was sweet, green life. And it is no accident that when the Holy Spirit comes, the gift of God to His Son for His baptism of fire on the cross, that Holy Spirit is figured in terms of tongues of fire, so that the word could go out from the apostles, bringing life, bringing conviction. Lord, have mercy. And in the context of that cry of mercy, new life. That's what Jesus has in mind here, the cruel cross that will be his baptism of fire that will create the renewing fire of the Spirit that we get to experience. And having, having seen that, I, I found myself looking at our Hebrews passage and our Luke passage together and and finding, finding myself given some really sweet lessons about what faith is. Faith in this one who is baptized that we might know the fire of God in life and not death. Faith. The faith of which Jesus is the pioneer and perfecter. Four lessons about faith. One, always that faith receives with astonished, grateful joy its share in Christ's own baptism. The writer to the Hebrews dares to say that Jesus despised the shame of the cross because on the other side of it, He knew that there was joy. He knew that there was restoration from the dead. And he knew that he would be enabled to give you and me life. So faith always receives with astonished joy. Like this was for me? Really? That you endured that? Faith always receives with astonished joy. Grateful astonished joy. It's share in Christ's own baptism. Lord, I take my place on that cross with you. Grateful that the burning wrath of God's anger falls not on me because it fell on you. Thank you. And then, that's what faith always does. And then there are three things that faith sometimes does. Sometimes faith divides. And that's why Jesus talks about this family of five, a father and a mother, a son and a daughter-in-law and a daughter that are divided against one another. Sometimes faith in Christ puts you on the outside looking in. Sometimes, when you wake up to the reality of Jesus Christ, you realize that you've created distance between yourself and people that you really wish could just accept you for who you are. Have you had those conversations where you just know that as soon as you tell the person that, yeah, I love Jesus Christ, you know that that's just going to be like, oh, the end. And there you're just going to get the eye roll. And everything you say after that is just going to be discounted. Well, this passage says in, some, in part to you and me, that's okay. It's not your fault sometimes when you're on the outside looking in. Sometimes faith is going to make you feel very lonely. Fear not though. The writer to the Hebrews talks about this great cloud of witnesses that you and I belong to whether we see them around us or not. The good news when you find that faith divides is it isn't your fault. Now, that's that brings challenging news for you and me. It's important that we make sure that Christ is the stumbling block and not us. I was just, after I, I became, I trusted Christ personally when I was a freshman in college, grew up in a church had just took a lot of stuff for granted, and I didn't, like, have a heart relationship. People around me, like, didn't seem to really know what it was all about from the inside. So I went back like, I don't know, some sort of Christian evangelist terrorist. So I was just going to take no prisoners, and, well, I was going to take a lot of prisoners. And I was just, I was just irritating, and especially to my parents and a former girlfriend who had broken my heart, and so there's a little bit of revenge here. Never mind. We all have issues. Because the gospel itself is going to divide, you don't have to force things. And you don't have to be a jerk. That's all I'm saying. And the challenging news for us as a church family, we're supposed to be the alternative family. It's our job to recognize that the faith sometimes alienates people from their families. And like, we're supposed to be the family, not just, I don't know, a bunch of uptight people who just come and kind of get through their religious duty, not some sort of country club. We're supposed to be the family. And one of the things that I've loved about being here is despite all the, I don't know, the formal trappings, y'all are real people. And don't be a, just, if you feel lonely and you don't feel connected, just here, just grab somebody. You'll probably find them responding nicely. We're called to be family to each other. And then a couple of opposite lessons from the letter to the Hebrews. Sometimes faith conquers. Hebrews eleven thirty two 32 through 34 gives us this list of people from Gideon through Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, prophets who conquer kingdoms, administer justice, obtain promises, shut the mouths of lions like Daniel, quench raging fire, escape the edge of the sword, win strength out of weakness. Receive the dead back by resurrection, like the widow of Zarephath and the Shunammite woman, sometimes sometimes faith feels like God's just smiling on you, and good things happen. Some lessons here. When that's you, don't assume it's because you're that great. Be grateful you're getting to ride the wave of what God is doing, and please don't assume that people who Love Jesus and aren't doing quite as well as you, that they're losers, or somehow that they've got some unconfessed sin that's keeping them from from being there. Because the next verses tell us the fourth lesson about faith. Sometimes faith suffers. Verses 36 through 38 tell us about people. who get tortured, who suffer mocking and flogging, chains, imprisonment, stoned to death, sawn in two as Isaiah. When that's you, don't assume it's your fault. Don't assume that it's happening to you because of some secret unconfessed sin that God's getting you for. Be grateful of the rich company you're keeping. And especially of the one who despised the shame of the cross so he could be right there with you. And please don't assume that those who are not suffering like you must be compromising. Faith receives this amazing gift. Faith is ready to to experience rejection Faith is ready to receive the gift of victory when God is doing things and you get to participate, and faith is willing to suffer. And let's go to the table where the bread and the wine remind us that the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith waits to welcome us into his kingdom for good. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen.